Chapter 17. Stupid is as stupid does. Commences with a quote by Aristotle Onassis. If women didn't exist, all the money in the world would have no meaning. Stupidity is demonstrated not by our IQ or academic ability, but by our actions. History is littered with case studies of people, usually men, who desperately wanted to get rich. Their seemingly unquenchable thirst for wealth led them to do some of the most brain-dead things ever recorded. It's proof that not only can blessings turn into curses if we misuse them once we have them, but just the desire to have the blessings can also become a curse, without us ever receiving the blessing. What folly! In 1 Timothy 6.9 we read, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Growing up in a home where society's misfits and troubled youths were always welcomed and often sheltered left me with a keen desire to build relationships with people on the often neglected side of life. This inherited interest led me to the streets of Sydney in my late teens and early twenties. I would go into the city alone on a Thursday or Friday evening and live on the streets with the homeless for two or three nights before returning to the comfort of my college dorm room on Sunday afternoon. I'd like to think that I was there to tell them about Jesus, but in all honesty, I just wanted to help where I could by offering a listening ear, a meal, or maybe a few dollars if I could spare it from my student budget. I was also desperate to try to learn about the tough realities of life that so many people face every day and night, but which I had never been required to experience. I lived a sort of double life as a Christian college student during the week and a street bum on weekends. I shivered my way through many nights as I tried to sleep in city parks, windswept alleys, construction sites, and once, and only once, in a refuge for homeless men. You've never heard cyclonic snoring until you've slept in one of those places. In the process, I met some extraordinary children of God and experienced just a taste of what it must be like to live without the comforts of a home and the love of a family. I distinctly remember one Friday night sitting in the warmth of a window seat of a McDonald's restaurant in Sydney. It was about 2am. I hadn't been able to find any street kids to hang with on that chilly evening, and I sat somewhat dejected and alone, wishing that I'd stayed back in the dorm with my friends. As I sat enjoying the warmth and contemplating my future life plans, which didn't include being homeless, a bright red luxury sports car came to a halt at the stoplight right outside my window. The driver was about my age, but much better looking, and his lady friend was a stunning blonde. It took about a nanosecond for this impoverished, girlfriendless, bicycle-riding college student to feel jealous. It was clear to my mind that the driver was taking his lovely girlfriend home to his chic waterfront unit. He had it all together, while I was just some overtired, try-hard do-gooder who never stood a chance at the happiness that this guy was obviously destined to enjoy. My envy was as green as the light was about to become. I was probably doing calculations on how much stuff I would need to sell to buy the whole lifestyle package before me, but I couldn't find anywhere to sell a kidney at that time of the morning. Then it happened. Just before the light changed, the girl looked across and said something to her man. He replied with a sharp response, And before I could take a breath, she was halfway across the car, slapping, scratching and punching him. 
He defended himself as best he could while trying to maintain his I've got it all together facade, and she fell back into her seat. I was somewhat shell-shocked by her explosion of violence and no less surprised when she then started trying to stab him with a nail file that she had dug out of her purse. The lights had changed to green and back to red, but neither of them knew it. The frantic struggle continued as they sped off, straight through the red light into the cold night. I sat there, stunned, trying to make sense of both my clearly misplaced jealousy and the subconscious desire for riches and success that had spawned my envy. I thanked the Lord that this incident had occurred right in front of my eyes, where I could learn about 20 lessons in as many seconds. But I'm a slow learner. As I look back on my life, I can see that from my teenage years I've had a potentially unhealthy desire to be well off. During my time at college I was surviving on a student allowance and vacation time jobs, and, like the guy in the sports car, I too was desperately trying to impress a certain young lady. I'd tried every trick I knew, to no avail. I'd almost spent every last penny I had to try to win her, yet without success. During one semester break, I was passing through Surfer's Paradise, some might call it Surface Paradise, on Queensland's beautiful Gold Coast. I was surprised and a little pleased to see a jewellery store with the name Julian's. My entrepreneurial mind, probably genetically modified by my father, who used to tear the corners off his parents' five-pound notes and stick them up out of his school socks to make the kids think he had money, told me that I could make good use out of a Julian's business card. Fortunately, they had a bundle of them on the counter, so I didn't even need to explain why I wanted one, or two. I returned to the new semester, amply prepared to really impress my soon-to-be sweetheart. After having waxed on with a fable about how I was really from a wealthy family, but hadn't wanted to mention it to her earlier, because I didn't want her to like me just for my money, I pulled out the business card, my ace of hearts, and straight-faced told her that the jewellery company was mine. Okay, we've all done crazy things in our younger years, but that little speech is still carved into my mind as the pinnacle of my stupidity. The very summit. No matter how hard I've tried in the years since, I've not been able to match it. Within a day or two, I was so screwed up inside that I took her aside again and told her, with no lack of tears, that I was a mixed-up fool. But would she date me anyway? No way. Hmm, Fair call. Probably a very wise decision on her side. 